0: Hello there. You can think of yourself as an essence that projects itself forward into an idea. That idea is the idea of a persona. And when that persona is focused on long enough, it becomes a manifested physical person. You call that person and the persona behind the person, me or I. You think that's who you really are because you forget the essence behind that persona, and behind that embodiment. But that persona, when it meets with trauma in the world, copes by dividing into fragments. So the essence is now feeding several different personas. You are not a singularity, you are a multiplicity. In a previous episode, for the sake of creating an analogy, I explained that you can think of the skin of your body as being like a container. I asked you to imagine that inside that main container are smaller containers. Each container holds a persona inside it persona with it, its own personalities, fears, beliefs, traumas, preferences, wants and needs. And I said we could call each little container person apart. I explained that when one of these personas becomes triggered, it comes forward, it essentially takes over our embodiment. And then we confuse the beliefs, the preferences, the perceptions of that persona with all of who we are. Another way of putting this is, we completely identify with it. Ultimately the path of awakening is to recognize, remember that essence that is beyond that multiplicity of personas. What we could call the ego. From that point where you recognize the essence, the point is to work with these parts of ego, these parts of self-consciousness. So as to create a kind of integration, a symbiosis, whereby we create unity within our ego. But it is a conscious unity. To work with this multiplicity of parts, we have to see those parts from the outside. We're the essence looking at these different aspects of ego. It is at this point that seeing certain parts of you as just a part of you or as separate from who you really are, is critical. So sticking with that right now, I want to stick with our previous analogy of the containers within your embodiment. And I want to suggest that one of these larger containers within you, we could call the pain self. This container holds every other little container that relates to pain. So, in other words, this pain self container contains all the painful beliefs, all the painful memories, All the painful thoughts, all the painful perceptions and all the personas that are in pain within you. Your discomfort with yourself is entirely about this part within you. All of your coping mechanisms are designed to prevent you from being close to this part of you. They are designed to keep the lid closed on this container so it can be kept as far away from you as possible. This part of you, the pain self, you see as an enemy. We do not usually realize until all of our attempts to escape the pain self, to get out of it, to get away from our pain fail, that what we really, really think is that our pain itself is our abuser. When we feel pain, we think the pain we feel is trying to hurt us and so we're desperate to escape it and to be rescued from it by others. If we have gone through a lot of pain and accumulated a lot of it, this container becomes so large that there comes a point where it feels much, much larger than the rest of us is. We feel like a victim, at that point, to the pain that we feel. We spend every single minute, every action in our lives, trying to feel better, trying to get out of pain. Just stop right now and think about your day. What you drink in the morning, what you eat, what you do, what you say, the seminars you attend, everything in your life is designed to try to get away from this pain self in the direction of something that feels good. The self-help industry, and indeed most of spirituality itself, is dedicated to nothing more than this. And here's the reality, even when spiritual teachers like myself come along and say things like, be unconditionally with your pain. We're unconditionally with our pain so that it goes away. Which adds to pain. It's like saying to a crying child, Look, I know you want me to be with you, but I hate being with you so much, but I'm gonna be here with you unconditionally right now, so you'll stop crying, so I can go back to feeling good and doing something else. Now, here's the next step. Most of us get into relationships because we hope the other person is going to get us away from our pain self. We hope the other person's gonna rescue us from our pain. And all goes well. Chances are it feels great in the beginning and then what happens? There comes a day inevitably where there's a conflict of interest, that person ends up adding to your pain self. And then, what do you do? You start to crumble, you feel duped. The thing you thought would help you escape the pain is adding to it. You can't forgive them for adding to the pain any more than you can forgive them for not rescuing you from it. If your pain self is large enough, you actually start to experience bystander trauma relative to your partners. I'm going to explain bystander trauma. Now, people who work with trauma will tell you, including myself, that the majority of the pain in this situation and the majority of what you can't forgive is not the abuser itself, it's those that stood by and let it happen. So let's say you've got a little girl who grows up with a dad who's abusing her. And the mom, when the dad abuses her, makes excuses, doesn't protect her usually the majority of the pain and what she really has to get over is not even the abuse itself done by the father. It's the actions or the inaction of the mother. This is bystander trauma. Now, if we in our lives have such a, let's say, enlarged or inflamed pain self, that container within us is so large, that we experience ourselves as a victim to that pain self, and we get into relationships wanting desperately for that other person to help us escape from our pain, because our pain is the abuser. When our partners don't actually succeed in helping us escape, or worse, add to the pain body, we experience extreme betrayal. We think our partners have betrayed us. Why? Because they have not succeeded, and maybe have stood by and allowed our own pain to abuse us. They have forsaken us to our own internal abuser. We have made pain wrong and bad. Because of this, we want to disconnect from it, suppress it, deny it, disown it, get away from it. On that note, when you finish watching this episode, I strongly encourage you to watch my video on YouTube titled The Meaning of Pain. Now here's the thing, when you're in the process of remembering your essence and disidentifying from these various parts of self, you are not disidentifying from these various parts of self so that you can disconnect from them, push them away, or selectively identify with one versus the other. You are doing this disidentification process specifically so that you can, from the outside, start to lovingly bring these aspects into a state of unity with all parts of self, including your essence. As it applies to the pain self, We have got to start lovingly helping the pain self. So how exactly do we do that? Step 1. Next time you're in pain in any way, close your eyes and remind yourself that the pain self has been touched by something that just occurred. Sort of like bumping a very sore bruise. That feeling of pain is your call to recognize the pain self. With your eyes closed, try to see or sense or feel the totality of your pain as one large part or self. Like a multiple personality within you. Step two, your essence along with every other part within you is in a relationship with the pain self. So, approaching the pain self from an attitude of I'm in an intimate relationship with this person. Can you feel into what it needs? Can you feel into what it wants? Can you talk to it mentally? Can it talk back to you? Use your intuition to assist this pain self, as if it were a person you were in an intimate relationship with, who lives inside of your body, instead of externally. Step 3. Meet the needs of the pain self on a daily basis. Now if the need of the pain self contradicts any other need of a part within you, begin a dialogue so that you can figure out how to meet both parts needs in a way where you're not trumping one with the other. Find a harmony between these polarities within. If you feel in pain, imagine this pain self is trying to cry for something just like a baby does when it needs something. Tune in with loving care to discover what it wants and give that to the pain self, either mentally, verbally or through actual action. Now this is where nuance comes into play. Let's imagine that when you sit with this pain self, the pain self says, I can't handle any more negative thoughts. Every time you think a negative thought, it adds to my pain, so I need help with positive thoughts. You can think positive thoughts to help the pain self. And you can also use that same tool of positive thoughts to escape from the pain self. So you have to be acutely aware of everything that you do, So that everything you do is in support of, instead of resistance to, the pain self. Step 4. You need to realize that thought comes from absolutely everywhere. When we are identified, we don't actually understand the mind. We believe that it is us that is creating every thought we think. And because it's creating every thought we think, that thought is ours. And because of that, we are identified. But this is how it actually works. You live in a quantum field. These thoughts, they aren't even necessarily yours. They come to you by virtue of law of attraction. So let's say you're in a particular emotional state because of previous thoughts that maybe you yourself have projected. If you walk into an environment, you're a match to any thought that is a vibrational match to where you're already spending your time vibrating and thinking. Regardless of whether those thoughts are yours or not, It is as if your mind is a net that simply perceives all of them and then translates them in your body into emotion. When the pain self is activated, like a sore bruise being pushed on, it turns on like a light bulb and begins to attract thoughts of like frequency to it. The pain self is tormented by these painful thoughts. So one of the best things you can do on behalf of your pain self is to interfere in the link between the thought process and the pain self. Practically, what does this mean? It means imagine stepping back so that you are doing nothing more but watching thoughts as they occur. Thoughts may occur as an image, they may occur as a word spelled out across your vision, they may occur as a voice in your head. All of these things are thoughts. Now you're literally just gonna watch them. And when you watch them, you're not gonna become involved in them. There's a kind of merging that happens with thoughts. You see it, you merge and you go into it. So you can think of that like becoming involved in it, going into it or touching it. So, for this practice, you're not going to touch it, you're not going to go into it, you're not going to become involved in it, you're going to watch them. You're going to notice how some of them have much more gravity than others. Some of them you'll just watch and it'll be quite simple to see them fizzle. Because you haven't put your consciousness into them, nothing's feeding them. And so the process of that law of attraction, dynamic, ends. The thought can't attract another thought because it doesn't have enough charge to attract another thought. It fizzles out. Conversely, you will feel the ones that have gravity and it's very, very hard to remain removed from it, not to touch it, not to become involved in it. You'll see the mind bringing it back, and bringing it back, and bringing it back. Still, you're gonna just observe them. Do this like you are simply watching them pop up out of the quantum field on the screen of your mind. Practice this every day for a time in meditation. Then gradually start to practice this when you're not in meditation. Practice this when you're sitting down and having a conversation with a friend. Watch every thought within your head as it arises and before it goes out your mouth. Watch your thoughts when you're driving in a car. Watch your thoughts when you're eating. When you're doing this, it may help you to narrate them as they occur, almost like using your essence to name what it is that you're seeing. And by virtue of naming it, you have made it separate from you. As you watch your thoughts consciously, and as you feel the emotion that occurs as a translation in your body as a result of them, what is happening is that your consciousness is turning the pain into itself. It is transmuting it into consciousness. All things done out of love for the pain self from this point forward must be done for and on behalf of the pain self, never in opposition to the pain self. It is the opposition to the pain self that guarantees suffering, it is the opposition to the pain self that fuels illusion instead of enlightenment. When we feel pain, it calls our attention squarely to whatever is in pain. It forces us into an intense presence. This is the real reason why suffering has been the main doorway for enlightenment for thousands of years. It's the main doorway because it forces us to be completely conscious and present with whatever is calling us to be so. The presence of your consciousness transforms everything into a state of awakening. Your pain is a crucial aspect of being. Your pain self is perhaps the greatest doorway you will ever have to a state of awakening. It calls you squarely into the present moment with an aspect of yourself that is currently out of alignment or out of integration. And when you give that unconditional presence to that aspect of yourself, you will find a way to integrate. You will, by virtue of being with it, become whole again. Have a good week.